Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Yeah. Live across the Great Lakes State, you're connected to Michigan's most engaging and influential radio and television program, Michigan's Big Show, starring Michael Patrick Shields. Presented by Blue Cross, Blue Shield of Michigan, and Blue Care Network. I'm producer and creative director, Tony Cuthbert. This is meteorologist John McMurray. Now in the shadow of the Capitol Dome in Lansing, he's heard from the beaches of Lake Michigan to the halls of power and behind closed doors, here's Michigan's Michael Patrick Shields. Michael Patrick Shields is on the air. Good morning, world. Good morning, Michigan. I'm Kyle Malin, editor of the MERS Newsletter, filling in for Michael Patrick today. Glad you could join us for the program. A little later, we've got uh, state representative-elect is going to be joining us. Uh, we've got another slate of guests coming in to join us. We've had uh, some news yesterday. State Representative Kyra Harris-Bolden, who is on the ballot to be the Supreme Court Justice for the next term, didn't make it on the ballot, but yesterday she was named to be the next Supreme Court Justice. She's going to be the first black woman to be a justice on Michigan's highest court. She's been a lawyer for the past eight years. She's been a state representative for the last four years. And um, it, here's a kind of an interesting side note. She isn't actually appointed yet, and she can't be appointed until January 1st, until her term as a state representative ends. It's something that's in the state constitution that says that a state representative can't be appointed by the governor to a civil appointment while in office. So she's going to have to uh, to ride that out for another uh, what month and a month and a week before she's able to take the office. She was joined by her family uh, at the uh, Supreme Court building for the official announcement that she's going to be succeeding Bridget McCormick, who is leaving to take a seven-figure job with the American Arbitration Association, uh, their International Center for Dispute Resolutions. Good for her on that. That's a pretty good gig. You know, um, on the pay thing, I mean, talking about Bridget McCormick going to a, a much better paid gig, the Supreme Court justices, here's another kind of funny side note. This is not the U.S. Supreme Court justices. These are Michigan's Supreme Court justices. They actually make substantially less than the Court of Appeals judges in Michigan. Right now, the Michigan Court of Appeal judges make $182,000 a year, and the Supreme Court justices make $164.5 million. Now, next year, uh, the Supreme Court's going to be making up to 181, which is still less than the Court of Appeals. But it it really kind of um, uh, punctuates kind of a strange system we have in Michigan on how we pay our highest officials. Um, the Supreme Court justices, like the governor, like legislators, receive their pay raises 
through a group called SOC. And this may sound a little arcane, but it, it's really worth talking about because it's really, it's really kind of goofy. It's the State Officers, Officers Compensation Commission. It's S-O-C-C, SOC. Okay. So what they do is they come out with recommendations every two years. And they say, yeah, you know, we think that legislators should make this and the governor should make that and justices should make this. And then they give it to the legislature and say, if you think this is what we should do, you should vote yes on these ideas. Now, back in 2002, when this system was was uh, put in place, the legislature had a different system in place where the SOC recommendations would go through unless the legislature said, you know what? Now nah, we don't want to do this. So, Tony, I'm sure you can see the problem that comes with this, that if the legislature actually has to affirm, affirmatively approve a pay increase as opposed to passively saying it's okay, that makes a huge difference. And it can make a common citizen that knows that a little probably uh, uh, understandably angry possibly too. Well, so here's what happened. So this new system was put in, in 2002. You know how many times the legislature has said affirmatively, yeah, you know what? We think that everybody should get a pay increase. Probably every every year if they could, it would seem like. But they don't. Really? They have not one time. In 20 years, they have never given themselves a pay increase. They gave the Supreme Court justices a pay increase two years ago. That was the first one they've ever done. They've never given a pay raise to the governor, the attorney general, secretary of state, themselves. They've never given themselves a pay increase in the state of Michigan for the legislature. Now, some of that is kind of carryover from 2002 when they made the initial change. Because in 2000, through that passive system, the legislators gave themselves a 38% pay increase. So they went up to $78,000 at the time. And the blowback... And folks listening might remember this. The blowback was pretty intense. Folks were pretty ticked off because that seemed like a lot of money. Well, now, um, over the years, the legislature is actually making less money. And it's not just because of the rate of inflation. Uh, back during the recession, everybody took like pay cuts. And the legislature and the governor told SOC, please cut our pay. Please recommend that we cut our salaries. And so that's what SOC did. The, the officer's compensation commission said, here, you guys can cut yourself budget or cut your salaries 10%. If that's what you want, here you go. So they did it. And the legislature went down from 78,000 to about 71,000. And so that's where they are now. And the justices are there now. So you might say, well, what's wrong with $164,000 a year for the, for a justice? God, that sounds, sounds fine to me, right? I, I, I would say, yeah, I mean, that sounds like a good salary. I'll take that. The problem is, is that good lawyers in the private sector make a lot more money than that. Um, and in order to get involved in public service, there has to be, I mean, you don't want, you know, you're not going to make a mint. I mean, we're, these, you know, we're not going to give them like half million dollar salaries or something like that, but they should be earning something that's a little more enticing. I mean, these, uh, these um, uh, you know, if you're going through law school. And the tuition that you have to pay to go through years of law school isn't cheap. And running your own practice and, you know, 
it's it's not cheap. So I asked the governor about this yesterday during this uh, press conference, and she didn't want to get into a discussion about pay for justices. But this does become an issue at a certain point where good people who we would want to see on our Supreme Court are going to uh, turn their nose at this salary because they can make a heck of a lot more in the private sector uh, without the grief that comes with the politics of the um, the Supreme Court for the state of Michigan. So anyway, Kyra Bolden, anyway, getting back to, the, to that story, the uh, she's only 34 years old and is going to be among the youngest Supreme Court justices we've had. Um, like I said earlier, the first black woman and uh, probably the first one in a long time who has an infant. Uh, she brought her three-month daughter, three-month-old daughter Emerson there with her husband, her parents. Uh, had some cute family time, uh, cute family pictures. Bridget McCormick will be leaving the court at the end of the year, and uh, Kyra Harris Bolden will take over. You're listening to Michigan's Big Show, starring Michael Patrick Shields. Oh, Joe Biden's coming to Bay County next week to look at uh, some semiconductor efforts. Welcome back to Michigan's Big Show, starring Michael Patrick Shields. I'm Kyle Malin, editor of the MERS newsletter, filling in for Michael Patrick today. The USCG Cutter Mackinac is going to take 1,200 Christmas trees to Chicago. It's leaving Sheboygan County Saturday, loaded with all those trees for needy families in Chicago. It's the 23rd year of the trip, and the tree will be Unloaded in a Navy Pier ceremony on the 3rd of uh, December, nearly three dozen volunteers helped load up all these Christmas trees yesterday. And you know what this made me think of, Tony Cuthbert? Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this anymore, but have you ever heard of the famous shipwreck legend of Michigan's famed Christmas tree ship? I have heard of it. Oh, God, what a great, what an interesting story this was. So there was a, a business guy and his family who was um their gig every year was loading up this rickety wooden ship with as many christmas trees as possible and this and and when i say um um, you know this old this is 109 years ago it was a worn out schooner and uh the guy the guy who um um captained this ship um, would, would, would try and push the limits as to how far he could take it. Uh, his name was Herman Schoonerman, and uh, his um, wife would sell these tris- Christmas trees along the docks of the Chicago River. And um, But back in, uh, oh God, what year is this here? I'm, I'm trying to look at the, the year. But 100 and, oh, God, it's like 110 years ago yeah something like yeah all right so this was 110 years ago he loads up this ship with all these christmas trees and he had it so filled up that the weather in november of course gets pretty dicey sometimes it's great sometimes it's awful and uh he sinks the boat all these trees get washed up on the shore the crew dies he dies and captain santa uh, is not allowed to 
deliver the Christmas trees anymore. Stacked up eight feet high on the deck. It looked like a floating forest, according to uh, one observer. Went out at 2.50. Uh, rescuers at uh, uh, Kewanee, Wisconsin, spotted the Rouse Simmons half-mast flag signaling distress. And um, without its gas-powered lifeboat, it um, it sank, and uh, every there was casualties uh, all around. The uh, divers examined the wreck in 2006. They found the schooner facing northwest toward the Lake Michigan shoreline. They looked for clues as to why the captain had changed his southern course. The dive team found tools for handling the ship's anchor and chains still scattered on its bow. It's kind of an interesting story. I, I have a feeling that this uh, USCG cutter, Mackinac, <laughs> it's going to do a little better out there. Yeah, it's amazing when you go through the shipwreck history in this state. I mean, it's just, so, each story is just amazing to me, and this is another one that you can just add to the list. These uh, Christmas trees were found washing up to shore um, all of the month of December. Um, there was a message in a bottle that is believed to come from this Rouse Simmons crew that washed up in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. The bottle was corked with a tiny piece of pine tree, according to research by Lori Jacobs Twos. The message read, Friday, everybody goodbye. I guess we are all through. During the night, the small boat washed overboard, leaking bad. Invalid, and Steve lost too. God help us. Huh. So anyway, uh, I was reading uh, part of a story here from uh, MLive back in 2021. So just this last year, they they put something out about this. Uh, There's a story on shipwrecks that I actually read this from initially. Um, I read it a couple times. It's just kind of a interesting story anyway what else is going on here the uh white house has got its christmas tree up uh that was uh now the nation's christmas tree it's called the first lady jill biden and her two-year-old grandson beau received the 18 and a half foot conacher fur at 1600 pennsylvania avenue yesterday the sheeler family of evergreen acres christmas tree farm in auburn pennsylvania presented this year's Christmas tree. Of course, we've got the uh, Christmas tree in front of the Capitol now that was lit during Silver Bells over the weekend. Beautiful. Yeah, you know, I like the white lights, Tony. I know. Some years it's kind of, a, in my opinion, a clunker. This one knocked it out of the park. Well, it's a lot more full. It, it, yeah. it looks shorter, but it's not shorter. It's about the same height as all the other Christmas trees. But it, it doesn't seem lopsided. They got it nice and straight. You see, I don't know about that. I, you think that it's leaning? I do a little bit, but I think it might be just a like an optical illusion type thing. Maybe I'm looking for it to be leaning. I don't know because I drive by the thing every single day, and I can tell, I think, there's a tad of a lean. Yeah. Well, I, what I like is that there's no bare spots. <laughs> and in, you know, in years past, though, we've had trees that had some noticeable... Bear spots. Have you been to my weird. house before? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you always know what those Christmas trees are like because they're they're um, the ones that are not like regular price. They're like oh, twenty five yeah. bucks. They're like thirty bucks. You know, they got the bear spots on them. And isn't that weird too? Are you going Christmas tree shopping, Tony? Friday morning, right when the place that we go opens up, I will be there with my family. And the weather doesn't seem to be too uh, frightening in terms of everybody freezing. But it's a tradition, man. I love nothing better than to cut down a real tree. We do have 
by the way, two fake trees throughout the house as well. But okay. we need the at least one real one. So you're going Friday. I'm going Saturday probably. Yeah. To get our tree. But isn't it wild to look at how how these trees just end up? Like they don't all look perfect. No, at they all. do not. No, no, no. And it's a beautiful thing to do. And I, I the saddest moment is when we have to take the thing out of the house. I mean, yeah. it's just like, well, that thing. It took a number of years to get to this point, and now we're throwing it out to the side of the curb. Have you ever heard of the uh, Hans Christian Andersen old story on Christmas trees? No. There is an old Hans Christian Andersen uh, story called the fir tree, and they call it a fairy tale, but Really, I mean, these original fairy tales were did not have happy endings. And this, this one actually has a great life lesson. I read it to the kids uh, when I want to get them to sleep. And it's actually a sad story. My, my daughter doesn't like it when I read it because she says it's really sad. But you got to check it out. It's called The Fir Tree.